Hey, Freedom House, you asked for it, so I want you to stand up on your feet because we have a very special guest with us today. He's actually an extended part of our family, Pastor Montel Jordan. He is with us today. He's bringing an anointed word of God. I'm telling you an anointed word of God. So I want you to be prepared for what he's about to receive or what he's about to give you because I believe that he has gone to God for man. And he's bringing that today. Um, so if you don't know who Montel Jordan is, you probably are younger than 20, right? Because this is how we do it. And I'm not even going to try to sing it because that would be a disaster. Um, but he's sold millions of records all over the world. He's now a pastor. And we want to welcome him to the platform. So give it up for Pastor Montel Jordan. You, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Freedom House. What's up? How y'all doing? Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Go ahead. You may be... Seated in the house of the Lord, Freedom House family, what's up, y'all? It is so good to see y'all. I am Pastor Montel, and I'm so glad that I could be here with you on this weekend. I want to welcome those of you who are watching online. I, I see you got Louisiana and Florida and Illinois and New York and Ohio. A lot of different places all over the world are here watching right now. So listen, um, this is technically our first time out of the Bat Cave in like several months of quarantine. So I need your grace uh, because I'm processing through a lot of different things right now. I'm, I'm processing. First, I'm processing. I'm a hugger. And I don't know if I'm supposed to half hug, handshake, pump, pound, arm bump, air high five, nod. Black folks, we can do all of that in one shake. And so <laughs> this is a very confusing time for me. So I'm asking for your prayers. Uh, your pastors, Troy and Penny Maxwell, they are our good friends. And so we always want to honor them, their family, and honor your church uh, for having us here. So can you come and give your pastors and your church a round of applause? Hey, online, throw some hand claps in the little chat box so we know that you're there with us. So, hey, um, I'm black. And I just want to get that out of the way. You know, little icebreaker there. Good talk. Um, I'm here with my super hot wife, Kristen Jordan. Honey, give him some elbow, elbow, wrist, wrist. Uh, and y'all, we had an amazing time with the married couples last night and with those that desire to be married. Uh, great, great time together. I want to thank you for those who attended uh, and that you were investing time uh, into your marriage. You guys are in a series currently called uh, You Asked For It. Uh, and I know that we all have lots of questions. You submitted lots of questions for your pastors. And I know that a lot of us have questions, but we're not seeking the God answers. And so in case you didn't know it, uh, God is the answer. He has the answer. And God is speaking. But some of us are not hearing what he's saying. There are a lot of voices out there that we can listen to. Right? We're listening to a lot. There's social media voices. There's voices on the left, voices on the right. We're listening to a lot, but I need you to know that listening and hearing are not the same thing. You see, you can listen to a song and not hear the words. You can listen to a preacher and not hear the message. You can listen to a message and not hear God. Get this. Listening is what you do with your ears. Hearing is what you do with your heart. And so I'm asking us all today, here and online, to tune in to God's frequency so that you can hear with your hearts 
what God is speaking to you on this weekend. Now, if you have a Bible or an electronic device on silent, in just a few, just a few minutes, we're going to be reading from 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And as you're locating 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, I would love to say a prayer for us. So if you would bow your heads here and at home. Uh, Jesus, we are here today to hear from you. Before we are any race or color or nationality, before we are husbands or wives or single, before we are men or women, God, first of all, uh, we're your sons and we're your daughters. Remind us of that today. God, we're your sons and your daughters and you created us all in your image. May we reflect who you are in the earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, I normally pray that you would make me invisible so that what your people see and what they hear and what they feel are your perfect will and your perfect love for them. But today, God, I pray that I'm not invisible. I pray that I'm transparent so that they may see me, but they see you through me. Holy Spirit, have your way. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 If you happen to be a note taker, title of this message is Overcoming Fear. Overcoming Fear. I'm going to give you a spoiler alert early in this message. By the time we get to the end of this message, we're going to war. We're going to war against uh, the spirit of fear. Uh, we're going to call out the enemy for the liar and the deceiver and the punk that he is. Uh, we're going to declare the peace of God and the promises of God over our lives because the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus came that we would have life and have life more abundantly. And I tell you, I'm preaching right now better than you're responding, but that's okay. I just have to say it how I feel it today. We're talking about overcoming fear, and I want to be transparent. I want to begin by sharing with you uh, some of the things that I'm afraid of. Um, I'm afraid that social distancing has left some of us spiritually disconnected. Uh, I'm afraid that we can be in so much of a rush to go back to normal that we can go back to things that aren't worth going back to. I'm afraid that my 16-year-old son gets his driver's permit this week. <laughs> and uh, if I were a white father, I'd be celebrating, but as a black father, I'm terrified. Uh, I'm afraid that no matter uh, what stance I take regarding social injustice or or, or racial challenges in our nation, for some black folks that hold me to a higher standard, no matter what I do or what I say, it won't be enough. Uh, I'm afraid uh, that some white people will become offended uh, or are offended uh, if I say I matter. Uh, I'm afraid that some people won't get it. I'm more afraid that some people don't want to get it and I'm most afraid that some people don't know what it is. There are a lot of things I'm fearful of, but I would probably say mostly I'm afraid that the church may miss its moment, this moment in time, to be the body of Christ, to reconcile men and women to God so that we may be reconciled to each other. And listen, I don't know about you, but I 
want answers. I need some answers. Y'all submitted uh, questions to your pastor. There's stuff you want to know about your jobs, about your marriages, about life. Uh, um, you know, we got questions. We got legitimate fears. And hopefully, at least we can all agree with, no matter where you are on the spectrum of life, we could probably all agree um, that there's been a lot going on in our world right now that we need answers to. Let me, listen, here's just a glimpse of the last six months. We're talking about just 2020, okay? Uh, Kobe Bryant uh, tragedy, that was this year. All the fires that were burning up Australia, that was this year. We had stuff dealing with impeachment and with acquittal and uh, racial tensions uh, amidst the backdrop of a COVID-19 global pandemic. There are protests and social distancing happening all at the same time. Stock market challenges, unemployment, uh, elections on the way, murder hornets, lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Um, to mask or not to mask. That is the question. And listen, there's a lot going on. Real talk, some of y'all owe 2019 a sincere apology. You do. You should just apologize right now. You should say you're sorry. <laughs> we got a lot of questions because we got a lot of fears. Some people got a lot to say. And they're asking, can you hear me now? In unconventional ways, voices crying out to be heard. And then some don't know what to say. They don't know what to do and what... To say, they're asking, what do I say when I don't know what to say? And then saying nothing actually speaks louder than actually saying something. Well, <clears throat> hear what God has to say. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. <clears throat> you might want to write this down. Overcoming fear means we are coming over something God did not give us. I want to say that again. Overcoming fear means coming over something God did not give to us. Um, I'm a words guy. I love words. I play Scrabble. I'm playing like 30 games of words with friends simultaneously. I love words. I love the word. I love what it says and I love what it means. And right there in that scripture, the word said that God didn't give us a spirit of fear, which indicates to me that fear is a spirit. And I would submit to you that many of us, myself included, we're trying to fight a spiritual battle in our flesh. We're trying to fight a spiritual battle with our human resources. And I would... I would beg to venture and say that if we were to combine all of our fears, all of my fears and all of your fears together and kind of thread them together uh, to find out a common thread between everyone's fear, um, I would say that uh, normally prayer for all of us generally is a last resort rather than a first response. If you can't say amen, say ouch. It's, it's the truth anyhow. In other words, many of us react rather than respond. See, a reaction to something is immediate. A reaction is knee-jerk. Responding is calculated. And as people of prayer, we're supposed to be calculated. As people of prayer, we're supposed to be first responders. 
As people of prayer, we're supposed to be essential workers. As people of prayer, we're supposed to be on the front lines, making sure that the perfect will of God is being done here on the earth as it is in heaven. Prayer is supposed to come first, not as an afterthought. Overcoming fear means that we are coming over something God did not give to us. Well, what did he give to us? Well, it said he gave us power and love and a sound mind. But we need all of those things. You can't just have some of them. He gave, when he said, I gave power and love and a sound mind. Those are conjunctions. And that means I'm giving those things to come together. Here's what I mean by that. If you have power, but you don't have love and you don't have a sound mind, you can be a tyrant. If you have power and love, but you don't have a sound mind, you can be a stalker. Facts? Um, you can have a sound mind and not have power or love, and you can be a cynic. You become a realist. Listen, I'm just telling it like it is. It, it, it is what it is. Another word, another definition for the word sound mind is self-control. God gave us power, love, and self-control. And if you have self-control but don't have power or love, uh, you can become self-centered, and when we become self-centered, it's all about me, and we become apathetic, meaning apathy that I'm only concerned about me and what happens in my life, us four, and no more. But God gives us all three. He gives us power and love and a sound mind. So I'm going to share with you in my time four ways, four ways to overcome fear in efforts to have power and love and a sound mind. The first thing that we can do to overcome fear is focus. Focus. We can overcome fear by being focused. Acts chapter 18, verses 9 and 10 says this. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. Sounds like God is like, yo, I got people. My city, I got, don't be afraid. I got people. Now, I was joking before when I started this message and I was talking about, you know, we owe 2019 an apology. We do. Because I'm in that number. December 31st, 2019, me and my family, we were gathered together as we have done for nearly two decades New Year's Eve, we get down on our faces, we get down on our knees before the, before the Lord, uh, and we start praying in the new year. We were focused on 2020. We began to make resolutions and declarations that 2020 is going to be the greatest year of our lives. This is going to be the year of vision. 2020, perfect vision. Get it? And I don't believe we were the only ones praying that prayer coming in to 2020. Perfect vision. And yet, didn't nobody see this coming? And if you did, you didn't say nothing. <laughs> Selfish. <laughs> There's a scripture in Acts 2 and 17 that talks about young men seeing visions and old men dreaming dreams. Sidebar, I'm half 100. I'm 51, and I have both dreams and visions, so I figure I'm somewhere in the middle there. But I digress. The point is... Um, <laughs> 
I'm trying to submit to you that this is important because dreams happen while you're asleep. Visions happen while you're awake. You can only focus when you're awake. Now, I need you to follow this because notice what I read to you, what we read together in Acts 18 and 9. It says that one night God visited Paul in a dream. One night he visited him in a vision. And I need you to get this. Um, one night indicates that even in the midst of the dark of night, Paul was wide awake to see what the Lord was trying to show him in the vision. Even today, in the midst of some of the darkest times imaginable, God put the world on pause. He called a universal timeout so that you and me could not scroll past it. We could not swipe past it. We can't sleep past what he wants us to see because he's bringing some things into focus. The challenge is, are we all seeing the same thing? Because God is giving us his vision. And as he is showing us his vision, we're all required to focus. But as we begin to dissect his vision and to view it from our earthly vantage points, to view it from our skew rather than from his heavenly vantage point, this is how we take his vision and we get division or die vision. We can overcome fear by focusing. God is trying to show us something. Secondly, we can overcome fear by facing it. Face it. We can overcome fear by facing it. You might want to write this down. Jesus won't fix what we're unwilling to face. Jesus won't fix what we're unwilling to face. There's an account in the book of Matthew, chapter 15, the leaders of the church, the righteous religious officials, the spiritual elite are coming to Jesus and they're asking him about why his disciples are defiling themselves by not washing their hands. Kind of like today. Getting your 20 seconds in. Jesus responds to these Leaders in Matthew 15, verse 16 through 20, the word of God, this is the word of Jesus. He says, so Jesus said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. They defile a man. Those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. They defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things that defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Now, sure, eating with unwashed hands is nasty, but what Jesus is saying to his people here, the translation is, it's not what goes into a person that defiles them, it's what comes out. I need you to get this today. I believe that Jesus Christ is the light of the world, 
And Jesus Christ is shining his light right now, brightly, into the dark places on the earth. He is also shining that light into the dark places of our hearts. And maybe, maybe some of us are silent because we're afraid to say what we see. Jesus is shining a light into the world, into those ugly things that we're seeing. He's also showing those things into our hearts. And we're seeing stuff, and you don't know what to say because you understand what comes out of your mouth is what's in your... Listen, y'all, we all got biases. We all got biases. I mean, keep it real. We have personal experiences in this life that give us a certain vantage point of just based on our life experiences, our worldview. Those biases, when we start to practice those things, can become prejudices. And those prejudices can be conscious or they can be unconscious. They're just based, uh, it's just us acting on our biases. It doesn't make you a racist. It's just saying that we have biases and we have prejudices. Now, when we take those biases and those prejudices and we start to act on them in everyday life, that's when discrimination starts coming into the building. And listen, these biases and prejudices become discrimination, whether it's conscious or it's unconscious. It doesn't make you a rape. But listen, let me give you an example. Everybody that's here under the sound of my voice, those of you who are watching online, I want you to close your eyes just for a moment. Um, and I want you to get a picture in your mind right now of Becky. Everybody got Becky? Okay, now, we'll move Becky to the side. I want everybody, get a picture of Shaniqua. You got it? Okay, we're going to move Shaniqua to the side. I want you to get a picture of Tom. You got your picture of Tom. Okay, move to the side there. I want you to get a picture of Jamal. You got a picture of Jamal? Okay, now open your eyes. Listen to me. Without seeing people, I can just say names. And if you're honest, you get a picture of not just people, but you get a picture of culture. You get a picture of color. You have something that is in us all that are based on biases and prejudice and discrimination. And it doesn't make us a racist. It's just a part of the DNA of who we are as America. This is our DNA. But if we can't face it, God can't fix it. It's not a bad thing that you see that. It's a real thing that you see that. And our DNA ain't pretty. Our DNA is not pretty. And a lot of times we don't want to remember how we got to the way we are now. I recently heard a comedian, uh, he was talking about, you know, how sometimes, you know, black people can't, we're not allowed to be mad at nothing, you know, for too long or whatever. He was joking. He said, you know, when you say, you know, what about slavery? He's, oh, come on, that was 400 years ago. He said, what about civil rights? Oh, yeah, that was like 70 years ago. Yeah. What about the killing of unarmed black men? Oh, that was like two weeks ago. Yeah. What about 9-11? Never forget. Never forget. Right? That's what we're told, right? That's a part of our history. We never, never forget 9-11. Now, is that funny? Is that ha-ha funny or is that 
hmm, funny. Church, we're all seeing the same thing right now. God is showing us the vision. Now, our interpretations of what God is showing us and what we're seeing is now based on our own personal filters, whether it's a filter of white, a filter of black, a filter of some other nationality, uh, the filter of male or female or young or old, rich or poor, uh, left or right. We don't need a word from the left or from the right. We need a word from heaven right now because in the midst of darkness, God wants us all to face it. Because Jesus is the light of the world, but Jesus won't fix what we won't face. I would say this, please, allow God to shine that light, not just into the world. Allow him to shine that light into the dark places of our hearts. Ask God, Lord, break my heart for what breaks your heart. And listen, when you do that, you'll know what to say because out of the mouth comes what's in the heart. Now, in the meantime, a couple of weeks ago, I was with Pastor Troy. We did an IGTV together, uh, and uh, we were talking, and I shared with him, man, I got numerous white friends and pastors and leaders who have come to me kind of on the sidebar, like, yo, you know, what do I say here? Or, hey, I'm about to do this Instagram post. You want to proofread this for me first to make sure I'm not saying nothing crazy? Or, you know, hey, I really want to, what can I do? Can you, you know, they want to know what can I say? And here's what I would say, because that may be you today. If you're here, part of white America, I want to help you. Here's what I would say. If you don't know what to say, say that. Say, I don't know what to say. But I care. I love you. I'm listening. And I'm learning. That right there says more than not saying anything. And in the meantime, I don't know what to say, but I love you. I'm listening and I'm learning. And in that time, pray for the Lord to shine his light on your heart to reveal to you his heart over your own heart. And when he gives you his heart, you will know exactly what to say. We can overcome fear by focusing by facing it, number three, by feeling it, feeling it. You can overcome fear by feeling it. I have learned through my lifetime that proximity to something or someone determines if we are sympathetic, empathetic, or apathetic. I've been sharing with the body of Christ whenever I'm interviewed or I'm speaking. I've been saying that the body of Christ needs to move from passive sympathy to active empathy. Jesus followers, we need to move from passive sympathy to active empathy. What do you mean? Sympathy is, I feel for you. I'm sorry that happened to you. Empathy is, I'm feeling with you. I don't have to understand it. I don't have to agree with it, but I can feel with you. Apathy is, I feel nothing. I, I don't care. And I need you to get this. Um, I had an experience where I had an aunt uh, who just passed away in April, my Aunt Dorothy. She had been sick for quite some time. She had been in a, in a nursing home, been ill for, for quite some time, and she passed away. 
And, you know, when that happened, I called my cousin up and I was like, hey, I know uh, and Dorothy passed. You know, you, that's your mom. You know, are you doing okay? Is there anything I can do? You know, I'm really sorry that that happened. It's really kind of sympathetic. I, I want you to know that I'm sorry that this happened to your mom. It's my aunt. And I'm, yeah, I'm sorry this, this happened. Uh, talking to my dad on Father's Day, his sister is the one that passed away. And my dad says to me, yeah, you know, your Aunt Dorothy, you know, passed. I'm, I'm kind of dealing with that today. I say, yeah, Dad. I say, yeah, you know she died from uh, coronavirus, you know, from COVID-19. It's like, and Dorothy, just, she passed away from, from coronavirus? Now, when new information was presented to me, something happened in my heart that made me feel different. Because it wasn't just my aunt that passed away or my cousin's mom or my dad's sister. The elements of COVID-19 and what everybody's navigating through now that has been taking people and people are navigating through that. It gave me a closer proximity and my aunt's passing wasn't just something that I was sympathetic about. Now I became more empathetic about it because well, my aunt passed from something that a lot of people are navigating through because you know, she was in a home and a lot of people. Would, and, and so I need you to get that my proximity to a scenario allowed me to move from sympathy to empathy. And now I'm feeling it. Uh, Ahmaud Arbery, some of you know that, you know that story where he was a, you know, a guy who was running uh, in Georgia. Uh, I'm a guy who runs in Georgia. He's a black man that was running in Georgia. I'm a black man that runs in Georgia. He's a black man that was running in a residential neighborhood in Georgia. I'm a black man who runs through a residential neighborhood in Georgia. And the story, you know, he's hunted down, kind of executed by these guys. There's no activity on it. The guys that did it, they go home for a couple of months and they're hanging out and doing whatever they're doing. There's no arrest, no this or that. And I need you to know, um, when that happened to Ahmaud Arbery and all this stuff came up, um, I was greatly affected by that because my proximity to who he was and what he was doing, I'm doing those same things and I felt like I'm attached to what that is. If you don't run, it doesn't matter to you. If you're not in Georgia, you might not think about, oh, another guy was killed or something happened. Well, what happened in that? What did that guy do? Because you're not attached to it, but because I was attached to it, I didn't have to know what he was doing. I didn't have to know what happened before that. I didn't have to know his family. I didn't have to know his history. I just know I'm attached to what happened there because of my proximity to who he was as a part of humanity. I can feel empathy for him because I'm connected to him. Another instance where this happens about feeling it. Some of us, we've been watching. Like I said, God stopped the, the scrolling and the swiping and everything. He woke a bunch of people up uh, when we all kind of as a, as a world saw what happened to, to George Floyd. Um, I'm not trying to harp on these things. I'm just telling you, know, I'm, I'm just giving you my heart today. Uh, when George Floyd was, was uh, being, was being um, murdered, he was begging for his life. And it was said that when he called for his mother, women who are mothers all over the world, not matter your nationality, your not, this and any woman who's a mother, when he called for his mother, something woke up in you because it didn't matter that it was him, but it put you into proximity of a son or a daughter calling out for their mother. 
It allows you to have a different perspective when you can step into, not even the shoes up, but step into the story of someone to not just feel sorry for them, but to feel empathy with them. Psalm 34 and 7 says this, and this is a passion translation, which is kind of a paraphrase. It says, the angel of the Lord stooped down to listen as I prayed, encircling me, empowering me, showing me how to escape. He will do this for everyone who fears God. We need God to step into these instances to help us all navigate how to feel what's going on. I want to share a, a, a brief story with you. Uh, this is kind of historical. Uh, there was, uh, at one time in 1968, the fastest man on the planet was a guy by the name of Tommy Smith. Uh, Mexico City Olympics. Uh, there, a guy won a gold medal. You may not know of this story, but you've probably seen it. There's this iconic moment where fastest man on the planet, Tommy Smith, uh, he, uh, fastest man on the planet, he wins a gold medal. He steps up on the, uh, the winning stand, and uh, he takes his shoes off, and he's got a black glove on. Uh, and he stands there while he's receiving the gold medal, and he holds up a fist, and he, he kind of bows his head over like this, and he, he makes what's called a silent gesture. Uh, and in that moment, it becomes uh, what's known as a silent gesture. It's this iconic moment that uh, it was his form of protest. It was his, uh, uh, what he had determined he was going to do in that moment. And this is the Olympics, and because of that, because it's 1968, because of the climate and what's happening in America and around the world at that time, the story is this is a dissenter. This is a guy who's un-America. This guy is not, a pa he's not patriotic. This is a guy who's Black Panther Party. This is a guy who's Black Power. This is a guy who doesn't care for our nation. This is a guy who's desecrating uh, our flag. This is a guy who's against the national aid. This is a guy who's, this is a guy who's my stepdad. Dr. Tommy Smith, he's married to my mom for 17 years now. And what I can tell you is that story is not the story. The story is all of the Olympians, no matter where they were from, all came together because there was injustice and human rights infractions happening all over the world. And they all said on our different platforms, because we can't think of one thing for us all to do, we can't agree on that, let's all try and find the thing that we feel will make the biggest statement on the platform that we feel we have access to. And so that was the statement that he determined to make based on human rights, not Black Panther Party, not civil rights. Yeah, all of that because of what was happening here, but it was a human rights stance. But those that could not feel it, those who could not step into it to understand it, they looked at it and sympathized with it or were apathetic to it, and they formed an opinion of it to say it's that or it must be this, and that's not what it was. I'm saying all that for a reason. I'm saying that because right now, we are in a time where people are on the streets and people are making their stand or their Black Lives Matter or their protest or whether it's a protest or whether it's a riot or whether it's a looting, whatever they are doing. And I'm not, I am not condoning any of this. But what I am saying is there are people who are feeling something. And if they are feeling something, my question is, how can people who don't necessarily know Jesus like that have an empathy and a compassion for injustice more than those of us who know the Savior of the world? 
And how can we sit back as a church and say, oh, that's the wrong way to protest, or that they shouldn't say that, or they shouldn't be in the street, or they should just go and pray, or they shouldn't be burning down their or they shouldn't do this. You're sitting back as a church and you're casting judgment on something that as a church we're supposed to be speaking life into. You can't do that from the sidelines. That's not feeling it. That's Phariseeing it. That's not in my notes. That's Holy Spirit right there. That's Phariseeing it. That is, I'm here to judge. I'm the church, and I can say what good and evil is, and I don't have to get involved in it just to be able to say what good and evil is. Listen, if we want to overcome fear, we have to focus on it. we got to face it. We gotta feel it. And the last thing, finally, we gotta have faith. Shout out to George Michael, gotta have faith. That's not in my notes either. <laughs> you gotta have faith. We can overcome fear by having faith. The scripture in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I told you I'm a word guy. That scripture does not say faith is the substance, it says, now faith. And right now, in our world, in our lives, in our marriages, in our churches, in our streets, in our communities, in our lives, we need now faith. Not just faith. We need now faith. Now, real talk, Freedom House. I prayed before coming here, man. I, I was in the face of God, and I'm thinking, okay, Lord, there's so much going on in the world. I don't want to try and bring everybody back to looking at those same things. I want to bring a message that's just kind of focused on the, the Bible. I want to talk about what you did back in the day, Lord, and make people feel really good about having, you know, faith that we'll all meet together in heaven and we'll be able to high-five with our wings, you know. And I felt like God pressed me to challenge the church. We are the church. You, you're the church. Church is not a place, it's a people. And I need you to hear me. As Christians, as people who follow Christ, we can't just be concerned about someone making it to heaven and turn a blind eye to the hell they're experiencing here on earth. I'll say it a different way. Um, as the church, we cannot be effective in celebrating the salvation of brothers and sisters who give their lives to Jesus Christ for the next life and not be concerned with their human condition in this life. Man, I share it with y'all. I, I got fears. We all have fears, but I also have faith. Man, I got faith. I'm hopeful that this generation, that this church right now is the church and the generation that my 91-year-old Nana has been waiting for. Here's what I mean by that. I love my Nana. She's 91. I go and I sit beside my Nana, and when I come down, I'm 51-year-old man. When I sit up under my Nana, I'm like a baby all over again. I, I get right up in here, and her lap is still big enough to, to hold me, and I grab my Nana's hands. And her hands tell a story. Um, my Nana 
um, is 91. And my Nana picked cotton. Here. Alabama. Here in the United States of America. My Nana. I'm not talking Harriet Tubman. I'm not talking Underground Railroad, Frederick Dahl. I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about my 91-year-old Nana picked cotton. We're not that far removed from it, y'all. And when I hold her hands and I rub her hands, I said, Nana, you're watching what's happening. What are you, what are you feeling? What do you want? And my Nana says, I just want people to be nice to each other. This generation, this people, this church, it's our time. Jesus, he came to bring us the ability to do what we can't do. Amos chapter 5 verse 24 says this, let justice roll like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. Justice and righteousness. We need both. Our world right now is, you have to be justice on one side, righteousness on another. No, we need both. We need justice for the past. We need righteousness moving forward because if we don't have righteousness moving forward, it becomes self-righteousness. We need the righteousness of God to show us how if we focused on what you've shown us, God, and we face it, we feel it. We have the faith that you can heal it, but you won't fix what we won't face. Jesus Christ, he gave us the power. He gave that power to the church. He is love. And the Holy Spirit gives us a sound mind so that we will not be shaken. Psalm 41, I'm sorry, Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3. This is the easy paraphrase version of this. I love it because, you know, people say, what, what version of the Bible should you read? The version that you understand. Um, Psalm 46 says this. God is a strong place for us. He will keep us safe. He will always help us when troubles come. So even when the earth shakes, we will not be afraid. And when the mountains fall down into the deep sea, we will not be afraid. If the sea makes dangerous waves so that the mountains shake, we will never be afraid. Selah, or think on this. I say the prophet Benny King once said it like this. If the sky that we look upon should tumble and fall, and the mountains should crumble to the sea. I won't cry. I won't cry. No, I won't shed a tear. Just as long as you stand by me. Stand by me. We can overcome fear by staying focused on what God is showing us. We can overcome fear by facing the enemy. And here's what I'm saying about facing the enemy. Sometimes your biggest enemy is your inner me. Sometimes your biggest enemy is your inner me. We can overcome fear by getting close enough, proximity, stepping into it so that we can feel it. And finally, we can overcome fear by having the faith that God will see us through it. That's my message, and I'm sticking to it. Um, but I want to uh, 
I want to say one more thing. Pastor Stephanie was, was saying at the top of this message when we were praying over healing, um, she was telling the story about the woman with the issue of blood. This is nowhere in my notes. She talked about the woman with the issue of blood, uh, that this woman had been suffering for 12 years. Like she had been suffering for quite some time, um, hemorrhaging. And I would say that some of us, I don't know if it's been 12 years, 12 months, 12 days, a lifetime. Some of us are hemorrhaging. We're bleeding out. And we're apart from God and we need a touch from God. And God is showing us right now, like that woman did, that Jesus is where our focus needs to be. She was focused on him. But then there was a moment where Jesus said, who touched me? She pressed her way through and she got a hold of that garment and Jesus said, who touched me? And I just want to say this, some of us, you've been waiting for Jesus to touch you and Jesus has been waiting for you to touch him. She pressed her way through to get to her healing. She grabbed that hem and she held on to it and she felt herself instantaneously being healed when she got a hold of Jesus. And Jesus said, who touched me? Who touched me? You know what she did? She faced it. She said, it was me. There's a lot of people that were touching Jesus. A lot of people pressed up against him. When he said, who touched me? A bunch of people should have said, the disciples even said that. They're all touching you. But she was the one who could face it because she wanted to be healed. She was focused on the one who could heal her. And because she was focused on that, when asked who did that, she said, it was me. I did it. And because of that, Jesus was able to feel her pain and allow her to feel his healing. Because in proximity of each other, she could be close enough to Jesus to feel what he had and he could feel close enough to her to step into her pain to help her heal. This is where our nation is right now. As we focus on it, as we face it, as we feel it. And I have faith that somebody is listening to this right now and you understand I'm not talking about a nation. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about your life of being apart from God and you are seeing it and you're wondering if I could just touch God, would you heal me too? I'm apart from you, Lord. And I need a touch from you to heal me. I need you to heal my marriage. I need you to heal my life. I need you to heal my mind. And I want you to know he'll do it if you're willing to face it. He wants you to know that he feels you right now. And I'm talking to somebody right now that if you would have the faith, the word of God says that if you would believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ was the son of God and that he died for your sins and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. He makes that promise to you, to you watching at home. That's a promise he makes. But we have to be able to take that first step. And so... I want to make this offer to you because this is my, of all the fears, one of my greatest fears of all time. My greatest fear is that all the influence I've had, all the music I've had, all the accolades and fame that I've had, I lay my life down, I get before Jesus, and I'm in a place where I'm seeing the Father, but somehow, this is just in my mind, I'm able to lock eyes with somebody who's not making it in. 
God allows me to see somebody that's, that's not going to make it in. And that person locks eyes with me and says to me, why didn't you tell me? You knew that. You knew this day would come. Why didn't you tell me? Even if I said no, even if I laughed at you, it was still your job to tell me, to, to give me the opportunity to reject it. I would have been rejecting him. I wouldn't be rejecting you. I needed to know this. That's my fear, and I'm not going to stand in that fear today. I'm focused on it. I'm going to face it. I want you to feel it, and I have the faith that if that's you, the Lord is talking to you right now. I'll say it this way, and then we're going to pray. Everybody that's under the sound of my voice, if today, at the end of the day, if you went to sleep, you closed your eyes, and if it was the day that you took your last breath, if that's today, you take your last breath and you wake up on the other side of eternity, would there be a good, loving, gracious God there to greet you and say, welcome home. Or if you took your final breath today and woke up on the other side of eternity, would there be a good, loving, gracious God there to greet you and say, um, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know you. If you can't answer that question in the affirmative, talking to you. I'm going to ask everybody in here and everybody watching online, will you close your eyes and bow your heads, please? God, people are listening to me, but they're hearing you right now. Give them the courage that if they've never received Jesus Christ before, or they have received Jesus before, but are not living like it, God, your sons and your daughters are here, and I'm making the offer to them. There's nothing to be ashamed about. This is the moment to focus on you. It's a moment to face it. It's a moment to feel your presence here and to have the faith that you can change it. I'm asking with heads bowed, eyes closed, if that's you here today and you know you're apart from God and you want to be in right standing with the Lord, you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time or to come back to him, if that's you, don't be ashamed. Be courageous. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Can you lift up your hand? I just want to recognize you. If that's you, thank you for your thank you for your courage. Thank you for your courage. If that's you, just hold it just for a second. This is between you and God. Thank you for your courage. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. At home, do it too. If that's you, lift your hand. Okay, you can put your hands down. Thank you so much for your courage. Thank you for that. The word says, it's his promise. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. Jesus is the Son of God. He was raised from the dead. You would be saved. And so in just a moment, we're going to say a prayer together. The prayer is not the finish line. The prayer is a starting point for a brand new relationship with Jesus Christ. The word said he gives us new mercies every day. This is a new mercy, a new grace that he's given to you today because he paid a price for it. And you can leave here today knowing without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus loves you. You can know he has your heart and you have given him lordship over your life. And so let's say this prayer together, whether this is your first time ever receiving Jesus, whether it's you receiving Jesus for the hundredth time, or whether you and God are just really, really good, but you want to stand together with your brothers and sisters. Let's hear all our voices together. Repeat after me. Just say, Jesus, I love you. You love me first. You love me more. 
Jesus Christ, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I believe you're that Savior. Jesus Christ, you came to this earth for me. You died on a cross for me. You went to the grave for me. But you rose again for me. Come into my heart. Drive out the darkness. Replace it with your love. Replace it with your light. Replace it with your truth. And I'll make you my Lord and Savior all the days of my life. Now in Jesus' name, just everyone, would you lift your hands for just a moment? All over this building, those watching online, just lift your hands. Lifted hands is a universal sign of surrender. Lifted hands is also a universal sign of receiving. Some of you are surrendering some things to Jesus today. Some of you are receiving some things from Jesus today. It's my prayer that everything that you are surrendering and receiving is from God just for you. And we praise you, Holy Spirit, for being with us to settle this word in our hearts. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 Come on, let's celebrate with those that gave their life to Jesus today. Amen. Amen. Amazing, amazing word of God. Love it, love it, love it. You know, when we just lifted our hands there, I felt God say there's a transfer happening. There's a transfer happening, a transfer from heaven to us. And we have to transfer those things that are in us that don't need to be in us. But when we do that, we get a transfer from heaven. He downloads into us. And so uh, just like that woman with the issue of blood, she got a transfer when she laid herself at the feet of Jesus. And that's what we're here for, church. We're here for moments like these where our heart can be changed, our life can be changed. And so we're so grateful for pastors Montel and Kristen Jordan for laying it all out today and last night. What a weekend. And if you missed last night, hopefully you can go back and watch it live online. I'm, I'm hoping that it's posted on Facebook or YouTube or our Freedom House page. I'm, I'm believing that it is. So go check that out um, because it was absolutely amazing. And we want to take a moment for those that made a decision today just to give it up for all that God has done to draw people to the Father today. Let's not go away changed. Or let's go away changed. Let's, let's not go away unchanged is what I meant to say. Uh, let's go away different today. And if you would, go ahead and stand with us. I'm going to talk about a couple resources that Montel and Kristen brought with them. Um, the first one is Becoming Unfamous. It's Montel's autobiography. And it's a story of transformation. And it's a story of how God has redeemed them. And I tell you what, I, I, it's not just a story. It's facts of life, and if he can do it for him, he can do it for you. God is no respecter of persons. He can change every one of us. And they do the same thing in their, in their marriage book. You know, they put together these resources. They have the whole curriculum out there. They got books for you, but they want to invest in you. They took time and effort in hours and hours and hours and weeks and years of their lives to put something together that's gonna help your marriage. So they have these resources for sale out there. They brought them, they don't wanna take them home. All right, so, so let's just go ahead and do what we gotta Lead do. Lead them out. Let's get some resources for ourselves. Let's make ourselves better. Church, we're so happy you guys joined us today. Thanks for being a part of the Freedom House family. Online, thanks for joining us. You guys are dismissed. Have a great week.